All right, friends, that was our friend Hey Bill Mike with Riot in the Classroom starting off this episode of Homeless Radio. Thanks again, Hey Bill, for that recording. Welcome to Homeless Radio, our first run on CKUT. This is the show where we give the mic straight to the people in the streets and they bring the word back to you. So uh, we went out this week and suggested the theme of squatting, legal, illegal, uh, well, I guess not so legal because there is no such thing as legal squatting here in Canada, we learned. But uh, we're going to go out and uh, we're going to go straight to the street right now so now we're gonna go on and talk to the people on the streets and they're gonna tell us about squatting here in montreal about political squats about clandestine squats about survival squatting so here it is here's the word from the street all right so our next uh, issue of homeless radio is going to be on squatting and uh, i was wondering if you could tell me about the uh, last place that you squatted uh, it was a boiler room in an occupied building well, with people living in it. I was just able to get in through the side door in the building when it was unlocked or if it was locked, sometimes I'd be able to pick it open. It was nice, warm, had my blanket stashed there. The only time it sucked is when the guy would come down and step on me, but not notice I was there. And then sometimes going there and finding the door locked and couldn't get open because too many people were walking by. So I didn't want to kind of break in and have the cops called. And what's the best trick you've ever found uh, getting into a building to squat uh, unbeknownst to uh, the people that are there? Usually go in around between midnight or after that, usually around three. And just stay quiet and not make much noise. And if there's windows open, sneak in through that. So another another angle on squatting is like the political open squat. How long has it been since you've seen one of those happening? In Montreal, not one that's last more than a day in like over a year. And I was just taken to do a play. And since then, the last one was probably either the Pope squad or this. Yeah, the Pope squad back in Toronto, which was fuck out. I don't even remember how long ago. It was like maybe four years ago. Can you tell us a bit about the Pope squat? It was part of the Use It or Lose It campaign being put on by OCAP, Ontario Coalition Against Poverty in Toronto. But it was part of a, like, a larger campaign throughout the Ontario Common Front. <clears throat> and they were gonna, part of the campaign was to, if buildings were, gonna, were unoccupied for a certain amount of time, then people would take over because there was no, so, like, there was no funding really for social housing. So they called it the Pope Squad because it coincided with uh, Pope John Paul II's coming to Toronto. And then they took it, but it didn't last very long. I can't really remember how long it lasted. And what about uh, squatters' rights? Is there, is there any such thing as squatters' rights in Canada? They say there probably is, but I've never really actually seen it upheld or anything. Like, I've heard you can go into the, like, like out into Cranland, and if you're there for a certain amount of time, you can claim it as long as you have proof, but I've never heard anyone doing it. But other than Squatters' Rights, fuck no, you just get beat up and thrown out. Uh, last time I was in a squat was probably March. March? Yeah. How long did you squat there for? About two and a half months. What area are you in? Uh, downtown area. Don't really want to give out the old location. How many uh, how many people were squatting there? Between maybe two to seven a night. So what what happened to make it so that you guys aren't squatting there anymore? Well, someone kicked in the window when they were drunk. Uh, one of the girls that was stayed there uh, supposedly kicked in a window when she was drunk, and someone broke the door when I was gone, and then it just became we couldn't. I just stopped squatting there. 
So it started to get too heaty. I don't know what happened to the squat. Yo, Mina, when was the last time you were in a squat? In the summer. The summer? Whereabouts were you squatting? Blurry and Renee Levesque. Blurry and Renee Levesque. Is that where the church is? Yeah, right beside it. And what's your uh, number one trick to get into a squat without people noticing that you're in there? Get somebody else to do it. <laughs> Anybody that's sober. When was the last time that you were in, in a squat that lasted more than, say, a week? 2001. Which was which squat? The Overdale squat. That lasted six months. There was like 350 people there, wasn't there? So, do you think that maybe one of the reasons that political squats aren't working is because people just can't fucking get along? No, I think it's the people that gave us a squat that's the problem. Pierre Burke. Yeah, he gave us a squat. He said, okay, take this. That was a distraction on Crescent Street to take that squat. So he gave us the hospital or whatever the fuck it was with like 300 rooms. Said, okay, take it guys. I'm Pierre Burke. Vote for me. I'm giving squats to homeless people. And then, what, three or four months later, when he got into the office, he got voted in. Then he said, okay, everybody out. And he called the firefighters in the middle of the night in October. And people had their children there. And he left us all out in the rain and the cold. Anti-poverty groups all over Canada have participated in squatting movements as a response to the desperate and unanswered need for basic shelter in many urban areas. The goals of squatting movements are twofold. First, they are a tangible way to protest the injustice of a system where private property is protected even when it is not being used by the owner. While people sleep on the street, abandoned buildings are fenced off in the name of property rights. Second, they are a way to construct alternative institutions and ways of self-management that address the unanswered needs of the community. In June of 2002, the G8 Summit was hosted in Kananaskis, Alberta. Two days of action were organized in Ottawa in solidarity with anti-GA protests around the world. During the protest, a squat was opened in downtown Ottawa in a house that had been left to rot for seven years. After seven days, the squat was shut down by the police. Amy Miller and Mandy Hiscock are two of eight people who are collectively defending themselves against criminal charges related to the squat. Seven Year Squat was an action that we did nearly two years ago during the Take the Capital Days of Action. What it was was a group of people that had occupied an abandoned building in the downtown core of Ottawa that quickly grew to a home for numerous people and got full community support where people were coming together and trying to create alternative housing. After seven days, the city decided they weren't going to tolerate us taking over this abandoned building. So they sent in riot cops and 22 people got arrested. Eight charges got laid and so two years later, we're a collective of eight people that are going to be self-representing for a superior court case in Ontario that's coming up in the fall. 
What we decided to do for the trial is to not use lawyers. So we're working on basically a consensus basis as a collective that kind of dwindled from 22 to 8. So the way that we work now is that we have meetings in various cities because we all live in different places and we talk about our legal defense and we talk about outreach fundraising and all those things. And it is also consensus based while we're in the courtroom. We all, we take a break, we decide on what we're going to say, who's going to say it, who's going to go up to the front to speak. We take turns and anything that is said is going to be something that's been agreed upon by the collective. And if something comes up that's new that we need to talk about, we call a recess. And then we go back outside and we talk about it and we come back in with our decision. And to date, the judges have been really great about letting us proceed that way. And it's made it so that we always know what everyone's going to say. And it's always a decision that has come from the group. It's been really awesome to actually work that way because it's so, so different from when you work with a lawyer. And half the time you don't even know what they're doing or why they're doing it. It's pretty anarchistically inclined in the way that we organize, and we're going to be able to maintain that throughout the whole trial. Do you want to talk a little bit about how the organizing of the actual squat went? Well, it was a small group of people that had opened up the squat, but uh, the moment that it was opened up, the the people that had started the squat immediately invited everyone to join them and take part of the process, and there wasn't many decisions made in advance. Uh, The idea of how the squat was going to be run or operated, that was going to be totally organic and decided by the people who decided they were going to stay. So the first evening uh, of the squat, there was a meeting, which I actually facilitated and it was a wonderful meeting, I think, because there was probably about 70 people uh, in this massive room and we just covered it all. Everything that needed to be talked about when you open a squat that first night on just, do people have food? All right. You know, like, where are people going to sleep? All right. Where uh, do people have any special needs? Okay. You know, well, what about tomorrow? Like urgency and needs uh, how to get them done and it lasted I think about five hours but everyone participated you know like the it was done on consensus and there was even a few moments where maybe people who hadn't vocally uh, spoken you know okay let's do a quick go around and like 60 people just like nodding their head and being like okay yeah we're down with this decision and so every single day there was a collective meeting uh, at dinner time from these nightly collective meetings, just committees sprung up, uh, left, right, and center. And people, right, just got onto tasks uh, immediately. Uh, rooms just started getting transformed. People from flicking paint to just taking out garbage and uh, food committees and a library and security. And I think uh, it, it was a, a beautiful example of people dealing with conflicts and every type of situation under the sun when you get random people living together in an abandoned house and problem solving in a and what I think is a pretty positive way. Can you talk a little bit about where you are right now in the trial process? Um, well, we've we've got all of our trial dates set. So we're going to start off the very last day of September, running into the first week of August. For a whole week, we're going to do our constitutional motions. Those would be the motions where we say, look, you know, what we're doing wasn't illegal. We were protected by the Constitution, and therefore we shouldn't even be going ahead with this trial, or at least we shouldn't have been charged with some of these charges, and some of these charges should be dropped. That's an issue for the judge alone. And so we'll be speaking only to the judge. And at the end of that week, the judge will be deciding... Uh, if or how to proceed with the trial and then we have four weeks that are set for the last week of September and the first three of October and then we have jury selection because it's a jury trial where we're at right now in terms of our organization for it is we're just basically working on 
getting outreach, getting support. The courtroom is huge. So if we're going to have people in the courtroom, we really need to do a lot of outreach. And we're basically preparing our, our legal arguments. We're talking about expert witnesses and who we're going to ask to come in. Yeah, so I expect the next few months are going to be a lot of work. But we, we have a pretty clear idea of where we're going and of when things are going to happen. What can people do in solidarity with you? Well, obviously we need money, but probably more importantly, we really need people to show that they're interested in the trial, that the trial is a concern to them. And I think that one really awesome way to do that, if people are able, is to actually come out to the trial and just sit in the courtroom so that when the jury looks around, they can see that, you know, it's not just the eight of us against the state, that it's actually something that the public um, has an interest in and is going to be interested in the outcome and that they're going to be held accountable, not just to the eight of us, but to everybody in the room. Also, any just little things like people who may have evidence that we can use, people who have pictures, people who have video, people who saw things who would possibly be witnesses. Um, it would be really good for those people to come forward. And then also just any letters of support, things like that. That I, I think that trials can be pretty, uh, well, they will be really tough on everybody involved. It's a really long time when people are going to be in a city that we don't all live in. We're not working. We're going to be in trial every day, nine to five or whatever. So any kind of support that people can show just to show that, you know, they care about what's happening. We actually have a listserv for people that want to know about our legal updates and our squat-related news. Uh, and if they want to subscribe to it, it's 7YRSQUAT, so 7-Year Squat, hyphen friends at resist.ca.